Dustin here with Finding Backcountry Podcast, and uh, this is the first real episode since the uh, one that I recorded uh, as a kind of a review or a wrap-up of what the heck's been going on for the last, uh, you know, five months. Uh, and so this will this will technically be 53, and you know what's funny is, like, I was just thinking about that, and I'm like, who cares what episode we're on? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, I mentioned this in the previous episode, but it's what, one thing that's been nice about this five months, uh, is it's just given me a a chance to just like reflect on how, you know, how I was running the podcast and what I was doing and things I worried about and things that, you know, that I, you know, and and relative to other podcasts and all that. And it's funny because when you're in it and you're kind of like doing it every week, it's like, well, I'm not going to change it up now because the next episode's already due and but when you have five months off, you know, you take a nice little sabbatical and think about things. <laughs> it's just, it just hit me. It's like, who cares what episode number it is? So this is number 263 or this is number seven, <laughs> whatever, however you want to look at it. So, um, but as promised in that, uh, in that previous episode, wanted to, uh, got my good buddy, Corey, uh, back on that, that, uh, I hunt with and, you know, wanted to, uh, a, just give a little background on, on kind of where he's at now in life. Uh, for those of you who are, who have been kind of following our, our episodes that he's been involved with and then be, uh, going to chat about, um, at least one of his hunts. We'll see where it goes. Um, there's, there's two hunts that he's involved in that, that, uh, I'd like to get the story from and maybe we'll chat about the second one. Maybe we won't. I don't know. This is this is how the podcast is now. It's just it's a little bit less structured, and so we're gonna keep people on their toes. I'm gonna keep myself on my toes, so we're all gonna be on our toes, you know. Corey, how you doing, man? I'm surviving, man. Yep. Enjoying the day. How are you? Doing so good. Um, good. Yeah, you're. Uh, so you're still down in Salt Lake, obviously. Yep. And just to kind of explain, maybe for people, give the rundown on, uh, you know, what you've been doing or what uh, what's transpired since we last kind of had you on. Sure. So I uh, I think last time we talked um, was antelope hunting, maybe, uh, last time you had me on the podcast. And I had um, just gotten let go of a job. Uh, worked for Shields for 12 years, um, had a lot of different hats there, but the last several years I bought, sold, and traded rifles in some fat or firearms in some facet. So, um, you know, always had a love for the firearm industry, um, you know, alongside the hunting industry, I kind of view them separately, um, you know, because so much of that firearm industry is just shooting, not associated with hunting. Um, had the opportunity, had just gotten married that July, and had the opportunity to spend a few months hunting. So uh, bounced around kind of from hunt to hunt. We, um, let's see, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do the math. Hunting season was a blur. <laughs> I think, I think I got about 40 days or 45 days in the field this fall, which was fantastic. Um, you know, the benefit of not having a job. Mm-hmm. Um, about mid-season, I took a job opportunity with Christie Hunting Boots. I was actually driving to a hunt. I had interviewed with them, and I was about five minutes away from not having cell reception for 10 days. <laughs> and... Uh, Justin over at Crispy Boots called me up and offered me the job. So I was pretty psyched. Um, it's a Crispy's a brand that I have um, I've been wearing for probably six years now. And I can remember, I mean, this was like, you know, first two or three months of Dustin and I knowing each other. We were arguing back and forth between Boots and Kenetrek and Crispy and this and that. And, um, you know, Dustin will... Dustin will vouch for me. I've been a crispy fan and lover for what, since 2012. Yep. That when we met. Yep. It so, was. yeah. So at the and time, I, at the time for me, there just some like weird snobby, like Italian boot that wasn't 
specifically for hunting, you know. <laughs> well, so, they were in North America. They just weren't popular yet. In yeah. 2012, nobody knew what they were. Yep. And the guys steering the boat over there weren't doing a very good job. And so there weren't that many boots in the country and nobody really knew what they were. <laughs> I ended up in a pair and found out they were fantastic. And fast forward six years, um, it's still all I wear. And fortunately, I work for them now. So they got cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Um, so working for crispy now, still down here in salt Lake. Um, kind of, we run super lean. The guys, uh, the two owners are great guys to work for. And they, uh, you know, we, we're still a fairly new company. They've, they've owned the distribution in North America for about three years. Um, they're growing super rapidly, you know, six years ago before they owned it, nobody really, you know, nobody knew what crispy was and a lot of the brand recognition um, that they have now is due to those two guys and you know their employees so it's great to be great to be on that team um, working for you know I always kind of I'm I'm not a rep but you know I kind of that is one of my roles I suppose and kind of a man of many hats there and because we are so lean you know one day I'm shipping one day i'm customer service another day i'm trying to set up a dealer and another day i'm hanging out with dustin at sheep show yeah (laughs) and you know so it's 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 been a fun ride so far i've been there about six months now and it uh yeah it's been been a fun gig yeah i think that that's one interesting thing that people probably don't um really grasp with and i don't know anything about any other boot companies really but um you guys are you guys are small you guys are you know there's like what a total of like four people on the payroll or whatever uh, yeah there's a, there's a few more than that but it's man it's yeah. it's a lean company and they uh you know the at, at least the at least the u.s presence obviously there's a lot bigger presence uh, oh certainly overseas but you know as far as you know what you guys are doing here i mean like you said you're you're kind of just a you know you're you're doing it all so. yeah the the owners put a ton of time into it, the, um, and then, you know, we've got a few more on the crew and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very lean company. It's new, you know, still three years in, um, we're growing fast. Um, but you know, it is, you know, they, they were bringing zero boots into the country three years ago and now they're, you know, bringing far more than that. So Mm -hmm. it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's you know selling product you love i tell people all the time because we're we're the u.s distribution so we don't make the boots i just sell them Mm -hmm. so but it's uh what what what's it been like for you um because i think as far as i know for both of us we we both worked retail which is just a whole different uh angle but what's it been like for you um you know being uh working for just one company in the hunting industry like um it's been different i mean it's been very eye-opening i definitely like the side i'm on um now working for a manufacturer definitely i wish having the retail side i feel like really helps me um do my job now i wish i would have seen more like the manufacturing side and some of the hurdles that some of the roadblocks in the way to get get you know leather from italy sewn Mm -hmm. into a boot slow boated across the country put on a semi from new york sorted you know all the software the website and you know the work of getting it getting a dealer to open up a brand and telling them that's like yeah you can sell a four or five hundred dollar boot getting them to commit getting that boot from our warehouse to them onto their sales floor getting their sales staff to sell a you know sell the boot to a customer who then gets to take it on a elk hunt or sheep hunt or whatever. And yeah. it, uh, it's cool to see another step in that process and get it beyond kind of the other side of it. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. I don't think I would enjoy it as much if I didn't, you know, I, I wholeheartedly believe in the product. So well, that's, it makes it a lot easier. That's to, what I was just going to say as you were saying that is like, you know, if, if you are someone looking to go down this road, um, you got you like, and, and again, I, I'm in my position at Gunworks, I'm in sales, you're basically in sales, not 
not a lot of like direct to consumer necessarily, but you're selling a product to somebody, um, just make sure that it's something that you, that you can get behind, you know, uh, yeah. one way or the other. Cause if not, you know, don't just take a, don't just take a job in the industry just to take a job in the industry for some, you know, product or company that you don't have any, anything to get behind. So anyway, interesting. So it's good. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, big changes for both of us. You know, I talked in the last podcast, but um, for those that maybe didn't catch that one, I'll just briefly, briefly touch on, um, you know, I made a big uh, career change too. I just basically on a whim up and up and moved uh, my wife and I up to uh, Wyoming uh, working for a long range rifle manufacturer called Gunworks. Um, you know, and that's, that, that could be its own podcast right there. Just uh, the things I've learned working here and, and uh, the products that we make and stuff like that, but um, just been awesome. I'm I'm loving it. I'm learning uh, every day, you know, and it's it's something that I'm super interested in. Uh, and so, yeah, big changes, man. Um, you know, one thing that doesn't change is we're always just applying for hunts and stuff like that. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, it doesn't seem to matter where you're at or what we're what state we're living in. We're always scheming you know, what hunts and what points we have and stuff like that. But, um, you last year, you were, uh, kind of want to jump into it and, and do some recaps of hunts that I feel like we owe people, um, some, a couple good hunting stories. Um, and so I want to back up to, you know, we, you mentioned, um, the antelope hunt that, uh, you and I went on and, and we've got that episode out, but, um, and did we ever recap the Nevada deer hunt? I was, I was trying to rack my brain there. I was actually trying to do the math in my head. August 10th was when Nevada opened. For antelope? Or no, for deer. No, for deer. Your antelope hunt would have been after. Yeah, like the 26th or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so we would have, I would have probably Let's check. You know, you know what the funny thing is when you wait five months to release your next episode, you forget. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nevada archery deer hunt. And yeah, we did we some, talked. okay, we, we got it. Yeah. We did we sure. talk, did we talk my Utah hunt then too? Or did we just do? No, Nevada? I don't, I don't think so. Um, because Utah would have been about that, uh, time of that. I don't know. I don't know, man. We're going to tell that story though. It's all a blur. Yep. Let's do it's it. all a blur. Yeah, and we're just going to tell that story. So, yeah, we uh, we basically we bombed over from Nevada, and you had a general season uh, archery tag in Utah, and so um, you know kind of pick up uh, pick up where we left off there. Yeah. So we we came off a pretty tough. Uh, I think we were in Nevada for maybe nine days. Um, none of us harvest. I drove home and like took a shower my wife had made a bunch more meals for me she knows what i put in them and so she she's a saint putting up with me especially this hunting season but just in general um keep in mind you know walking into nevada i think i'd only been married for like a month and so gone for 10 days nine days drive back take a shower sleep and then bonsai down um Bonsai down to the deer hunt. Uh, planned on, I think, five or six days on that hunt. Uh, Jason met me. We packed in there together. Uh, did you take llamas on that at that point? Or was it just on we your did, backs? No, we took llamas in on that hunt. and So it's already a uh, success right there because you had to pack llamas. <laughs> oh, man, that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So we took llamas in. Jason met me. Uh, he didn't have a tag, and I guess let me back up. So Utah does um, what's called uh, – what do they call it? What do they call the three-season tag? Dedicated hunter. Dedicated hunter. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, that slipped my mind. They do a dedicated hunter. Um, for those of you not in Utah, that's basically you do some service hours um, – and when you draw this tag, you're committed for three years to a unit. Um, you get to hunt the archery, the muzzleloader, and the rifle, and you can harvest two out of the three years. 
And so, well, you, yeah, you're, you're allowed to, it doesn't mean you always do. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. In our case. <laughs> yes. No, I think we have, so, we, we, we yeah, should, I done. think we've done pretty good, but yeah. Yeah, Anyways. we have. So this would have been year two for me on this dedicated. I shot my, I shot a buck last year on the muzzle loader. Um, and then, so I have the next two years to hunt. Now, bear in mind, Utah has an archery, a muzzle loader, and two rifle seasons. Yeah. And so I'm sitting on a tag that potentially I could hunt eight more seasons on. You know, and I don't like, is that like, I don't know if that's better or, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh man, it's, man, so it's like when you have that many options of hunts to go on for like basically one tag for multiple years it just i don't know man it may it's it really convolutes things yeah Yeah, it's just a whole different variable that like makes it exponentially more confusing but so i'm walking in i think we actually packed in on the opener and you know did a little glassing had definitely a bow in hand but weren't like trying to hunt super hard so we we get packed in i think dustin kind of knows where that canyon is but i think it's six or eight miles in um have hubba and ted with us ted is jason's uh puppers what what kind of dog is that he's a golden 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 doodle fantastic dog just like the best well-mannered dog so a couple llamas a golden doodle and jason (laughs) which is how all the best hunting stories start yes they do and so we pack in six, eight miles, glass up, a couple decent deer, nothing crazy. We actually found an awesome four-point. He's probably like a 174-point on the one side, and then just a spike on the other side. Um, you were going to hammer him? No, you just wasn't quite there, considering I had like eight more seasons to hunt yeah. this one tag. <laughs> well, that's, so, it's, and it's funny, too, that what that tag does for you is it like – I don't know. It, I, I think it, it kind of helps you be a trophy hunter a little bit. Oh, heaven forbid we use the trophy word, but yeah. it, it helps you hold out for. Makes you more selective. It makes you more selective. What, whatever well, your parameters were before, you know, on a normal hunt, you're going to, you're generally, you're probably going to be a little bit more selective. Um, yeah. Especially over two seasons. Um, I'm still new enough out West. Um, I wanted a fuzzy buck with my bow in Utah, um, which I hadn't accomplished yet. And I, you know, the I think in Utah, the muzzleloader hunt is your best opportunity to harvest like a mature mule deer. Do you agree with that or you? Um, if you're not a bow hunter, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it's, it's just tough, man. Like um, your best chance, like, like not your best, like highest success rate obviously but like it's just hard to it's hard to say that because like you're you're gonna be i don't know i i, I know think where, it's I know the perfect you're... mix because rifle you know the the deer get they've been pressured all season um they're tougher to find that time of year archery is you know you you're stocking within 50 or 60 or whatever yardage you're comfortable shooting mm-hmm. or muzzleloader from especially now that utah you can use a yeah. scope on there and that's um, that's the caveat is a, a muzzleloader season in utah with the right muzzleloader is not a muzzleloader season it's an early it's an early season rifle hunt single uh, shot rifle single shot rifle hunt and so yeah, I don't know, man. As far as like, but but as far as like getting a chance, I think if you're just talking like getting a chance at a big buck, it's still archery because you're first, and you're hunting the same deer, same patterns, and same everything. Now, your chance of taking that buck is lower, obviously, because you're using bow hunting equipment. Um, but anyway, that the point is that muzzleloader tag can be, you know pretty special hunt in utah yeah i think the stars really align right there in my opinion um but i also i love hunting with a muzzle loader so um but regardless so we wake up morning two of the hunt coming off the heels of what was just a brutal nevada hunt i i completely foobarred two stocks in nevada that joined the group 
Yeah, that man, I just it was one of those hunts that I felt like confident that I wouldn't do something stupid like that <laughs> and just totally did. So tough hunt, really coming on one of those hunts that you just feel like the deer are impossible to kill with a bow and walked into Nevada, had five or six days with the llama. I think Jason was going to be with me too. And then you, come pack me back out into or, Utah. You mean into Utah? Yeah. So <laughs> hiked in, uh, glassed up some deer. We were definitely in the right area. Saw a lot of bucks. Jason's really familiar with the area, really comfortable hunting there. And, um, wake up, get to our glassing point in the morning and find some nice bucks. You know, we probably glassed up 15 or 20 bucks and mid morning had a buck solo coming through towards us. Actually, we're looking into this big bowl where we can glass probably, I don't know, a thousand yards away in any direction and have a pretty, you know, pretty good buck. Jason, I think actually found him and get to looking at him we're both like man that's a good buck and you know he kept walking closer and closer and uh jason's like i'd go kill that deer with my bow and they, keep in mind jason jason's on a completely different scale he wouldn't go kill that deer with a bow i he was telling me that if he were in my shoes i would go kill it and so we we kind of get to looking at it straight four point with a little you know cheater and we kind of are in agreement that it's like 170 inch deer Dustin's brother, Jason, is a very well-educated deer hunter, um, has a few, I mean, more than a few absolute bomber bucks on the wall. Don't give him more credit than he deserves. He, he has a, he has a few at the most. He has, he, I'll, he's got, I'll be happy if I die with his, yeah. with what he's got on the wall. He's a great, he's a great hunter. He really is. Yeah. And so, you know, we were both, it's just one of those bucks. He looked, looked like he had good mass Looked, you know like a, just a solid four point we agreed that it was maybe you know kind of scratching that 170 number is what we both thought so which i'm more than happy with and you know especially with a bow so he ended up bedding up and we thought he was a little further away which will circle back in later in the story we thought he was a little further away but he ended up bedding up maybe four or five hundred yards below us Jason didn't have a camera battery with him. Um, and so him and Tedders ran back to camp while I circled up on a ridge on the same ridge we were on, but I had to circle up maybe four or 500 yards and drop through rock. Bunch of micro topography, um, some small trees, sagebrush, um, really ideal stocking terrain. Um, kind of that terrain you look at and you're like, oh, you could never walk across it. And then you get down on there and there's plenty of like rocks and mm. like small sagebrush. If you know where that deer is, um, it's, it's good topography for stocking. So especially if you have a spotter. And so Jason made it back up. It was probably only an hour stock. I got about 150 yards away, slipped the stock ascents on, which I am now a huge fan of. Mm. Um, shout out to... Tanner Howard, Lone Peak, is it Lone Peak Leather Co.? Does yeah, that sound right? I think so. Um, makes a, st a leather stocking moccasin that isn't, isn't maybe quite as quiet as like a, a Moreno wool sock. Grandpa's, yeah. you know, big old fatty Moreno socks. But it gives you the ability to be way more like maneuverable, get a little better grip. You're not stepping on cactuses and thorns and, well, you're stepping on them. It just doesn't hurt your feet. And, you know, for me, is quiet enough to still stock in on a deer. So it, this deer bedded up, and Jason and I talked, um, you know, pretty briefly and decided that it wasn't a hard bed. Um, you know, this is probably like 9, 9.30 in the morning. It's definitely not like a hard bed where he was glassing. The sun wasn't going to be off him very long. And so we knew if we were going to go kill him, we had to do it quick dipped you know i made a stock got in pretty quick i don't think the stock was more than an hour dropped my drop to the stock ascends at 150 and jason and i and dustin all have hand signals worked out that we're pretty comfortable with um where we kind of know what a deer's doing whether he's blown out whether he's still bedded and we everything look, and I, we look like complete idiots if you oh, if you didn't know completely. what was going on and you just <laughs> yeah. saw and you just glassed that from across the canyon you'd be like that guy's got 
problems over there. It's got um, awful dance moves, yeah. which is also true. But <laughs> so we, so I got down. I knew I was close, but one of the issues with all that micro topography and all the rocks and stuff is everything looks the same. And I thought I had the right trees and logs and everything picked out. I knew I was well within 50. Um, and I was moving super, super slow, glassing, moving, glassing, looking up at Jason. He's letting me know it's still bedded. Um, and I was inside um, probably 50 yards just kind of creeping down on this rock on top of this deer for maybe four or five minutes, just kind of doing that two steps, looking at Jason, looking for the deer, two steps, looking at Jason. He's so you, still directing me. You couldn't see him. I couldn't see him, yeah. Which and just, so, like, it, it, like – it just helps like when you when you can't see him even though you know like your buddy might be giving you the signal and you think like oh he's just 50 yards there it's just it's just like i don't know for for me at least like when i'm stalking and i still can't see him i don't get as nervous you know i'm just kind of like okay like like you know you're just kind of going and uh yeah you and i are polar opposite <clears throat> i hate it not being able I, to see him Oh man, I would so much rather know because I'm always afraid he's like 50 yards to my left and I'm looking the wrong way or walking by him. Or well, I, I, I guess that's that's assuming that you kind of know generally where he's at. Like yeah, like if you kind of generally I, know where they're at, but they're completely hidden behind a bush or a tree or something. Um, yeah, I, don't... I see both sides. I just like to know how the animal's reacting. Yeah, because I've got no problem like stepping on a twig and keep walking if I can tell that the animal didn't like flip his head or ears. Yeah, that's true. And if, if I step on a twig or make extra noise, no, I might wait through. Yeah. There's, oh, th th sorry, th there's no, there's no doubt. I'm not arguing that it's more effective necessarily. Um, sure. I just get more nervous, you that know, once, once you're like in that and, and you're, you're, you're having that intimate, like, Oh geez, mm -hmm. like he's 50 yards or closer, you know, 40, 30 yards or whatever it ends up being and you can see him, then it just becomes like personal and real with him. There's no, there's an absolutely no doubt. You're right. I agree hundred yeah. percent. You know, it's, it's more effective to like, to be able to read him and read like, Oh, his antlers are turned this way or he's flicking his ear. So he's just fine. Or, you know, whatever, like hundred percent. I'm with you. So. That, that anxiety, I'm, I'm more of an elk hunter. I, you know, if I had to pick between the two, it'd take me all of a half second to tell you I'll, I'll hunt elk all day long over mule deer. I, I always underestimate like that intensity of that last, you know, once you're inside a hundred, all that anticipation and like just trying to move as quickly and as efficiently as possible while being a hundred percent quiet. Um, I kind of forget how much like fun and what like an adrenaline dump yeah. that is. Um, when I tell people that elk hunting is way more fun than mule deer. <laughs> But I, I really, I do really enjoy that part of the stock, um, especially you know sometimes that's you know an hour, two hours, four hours, whatever. Um, this didn't turn out to be that way, but that is you know definitely the most fun part of the mule deer hunt is when you know you're inside that red zone and you're moving and trying to play that chess match, trying to get down on one. Yeah. But so I'm I'm headed in the right direction. But, you know, it's just like probably five foot drop after five foot drop on these rocks, these like big boulders and like with some sage around. And I am really confident moving. Um, I've got enough cover. I know the deer can't see me. I don't know exactly where he is. Jason's giving me great signals. Um, I can tell he's getting excited when I'm looking up at him through my binoculars. <laughs> and so all of a sudden I take, you know, like two more steps, I glass up to Jason and he gives me the feeding sign. And, you know, we have that worked out and it's, you know, probably something similar to asking a two-year-old that can't speak yet, whether he wants to eat or not. But, you know, we have a sign that, yeah. you know, deers up feeding. So, you know, anticipation goes through the roof. I've already got, I've had an arrow knocked for probably 20 yards at this point. I keep, I keep my sight set at 40. Um, and I'll shoot, you know, I'll shoot 3D and I'll shoot different things with my 40 pin specifically. So I'm pretty comfortable at, you know, 
shooting my 40 pin at 20 yards or 50 yards. Um, and I've kind of got that worked out on an animal that works for me. So I've got my pin locked in at 40 in case I do have to take a quick shot. And like maybe five seconds after Jason had indicated to me that that deer was up feeding, that deer kind of hit a little, um, you know, I could all I could see the deer. He was walking from my right to the left, and I knew he was a closer than forty yards. He was very close, and I expected to be more more at like fifty at this point. And walked behind Sage, and there's a big sagebrush patch on my left, which if that deer made it to, I would have never um, never got a shot off on him. I drew while he was behind a piece of sagebrush and he hit that next shooting lane. I gave him uh, like a little white tail grunt, which I don't know. Do mule deer grunt that way? Did you, did, how did you specify that it was a white tail and not a mule? <laughs> mule deer. I've never heard a mule deer grunt, do they? Uh, I've always, I've always used like the same no, noise I don't, to stop an animal. Not that I know of, but I mean, anything's, anything's possible. Yeah, and that just kind of hindsight being twenty twenty, I might not have done it that way, but that was my involuntary reaction at the time. <laughs> that deer took like a little half step, um, and I was at full draw when he hit that window and just gave him a little grunt. So he's he, at what did you figure? Like thirty, you said. I ended up ranging it afterwards. It was twenty eight yards. And you had your um, you had a you have a pin a slider that's a do you have the double pin or just a single? Just a single. And it's, it was locked so, at what distance? I have it locked at 40 all the time. Okay. And so you're, so, so you knew for sure you're holding a pin low, basically. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I knew it was further than 20, but not as far as 40. Um, you know, my, you know, once again, it happened so fast that I'm at full draw, get him to stop. And in my head, I'm like, well, I'll aim at the bottom of the brisket. I know my arrow shaft is going to hit above that. Yeah. And so worst um, worst or best case is he jumps the string anyway and uh and sinks right. sinks even more into it. Yeah. Right. And so um you know I just held that at the bottom of the brisket. My arrow moves is moving pretty quick, so you know there's not a huge margin of error there. Yeah. Um ended up center punching the heart. I mean it was a you know did which he wasn't did he an re- accurate did he react to it? Like, did you feel like he dropped it? Or I don't feel just... like he jumped. No, I don't feel like he jumped there. He was, I mean, he was up feeding the noise. You know, I just give him a little, mm, mm, you know, I just, and it, you know, it was super <laughs> that sounded mild. Like, I don't know what type of deer grunting you were accustomed. That sounded you know, more like if you're, something if else. You got a, <laughs> if you got a shotgun in their hand, they don't jump slugs. So in Iowa, you just throw a, <clears throat> <laughs> clearing your throat yeah get the white tail to stop um <clears throat> <throat> buck um <clears throat> <clears throat> stop <clears throat> i'm gonna shoot you now <laughs> no i uh no i've grown up doing that i've stopped an elk before like that i've stopped coyotes and stopped white tail so my my go-to for whatever is just like a fawn bleat that i try to do you know like a uh, well that that was a cow elk no it, uh, what's a fawn bleat like a it's the same thing kind of like a it's it's a little more drawn out i think it's like we don't sound like anything in the animal kingdom right now <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was going for i I'll, yeah that's yeah, what it is right. around around yeah. deer i do like a like a Again, I, I don't know. It's been my dad years ago when I was just a kid. I remember my dad would pack around a little. Um, oh, I wish I remembered who made that or even uh, uh, it was like a little. Um, it almost looked like anyway, it, it was just like a fawn bleat or a, a deer mule deer bleat or grunt or something like that. And that's kind of yeah. what I've always is it. And that's what yeah. I've always tried to. Um, yeah, it sounds terrible, obviously, but it's funny. This everyone everyone has a different. Um, <laughs> you know, I prefer actually doing like a lip squeak on coyotes. You familiar with? Yeah, the... yeah, just. But I'm never confident enough to do it. Like, yeah, in you, that you're scenario. gonna like, yeah, <laughs> your lips are gonna be dry, and it's gonna be like. <laughs> yeah, and it tickles, and like, yeah, it's awful. 
So I I hold on the bottom of this deer and get an arrow off, and it, it's I don't want to call it instinctive shooting, but it's it's pretty close to that. Deer stop had a short window to shoot him, but it was so close, you know. And I I'm confident with that shot. Ended up hitting him. Um, I was shooting a Rage hypodermic, uh, which is a broadhead we've all had you know, pretty good success with, like, especially on mule deer. Hit it in a good spot. It was a little bit quartered away, um, but, man, it looked like somebody took a five-gallon bucket full of blood. Those those hypodermics, they open them up. Yeah, when they work, and, uh, when they, work they work, man. And they, oh, man, it's awesome. Yeah. So, um you know, it, it happened like that morning, just in general, like I got down there, hubba and I got packed in quick, had good dinner, good breakfast, hiked to the top of the hill, quick stock, arrow in, you know, just like that. <laughs> I felt like we were, I felt like we were still in pregame and it already won the game almost, you know, I'm expecting another brutal five day hunt where I blow 10 more stocks. And yeah. it, uh, it was, it was definitely a good feeling. And he, he ran down like through some sage I couldn't see, you know, he maybe made it 10 yards and I had no visual, heard the arrow, watched the arrow disappear. I don't think he jumped it, but he, you know, he might've moved some Mm -hmm. and heard him running through the sage and, you know, kind of running the way deer do when they're hit hard. You know, they go on that like death march and probably 30 seconds later, I hear your brother hooting and hollering up on the hill and super professional (laughs) yeah and i knew like in my head i'm like you know jason of all people he doesn't make the mistake of like a wounded deer bedded like he's not blowing a deer off like if if jason's doing that crap yeah like that that deer's dead he's the most skeptical person we all know yes yes so if if he was excited like and making it enough noise that that deer's gonna hear it like that deer was dead so um logistics wise i still wanted to give it some time the straight line from me to jason was like three or four hundred yards uphill so i just dropped my bow and hiked up to him we because we both were pretty confident it was dead didn't run out when jason was hooting and hollering we had a clear visual had it ran out like into the bottom of that canyon or like anywhere but like a 50 yard you know it was in a 50 yard patch of sage that deer ran 40 or 50 yards and died but we hiked up packed up camp hiked back to camp packed up camp packed up the llamas the water this last year everywhere in the west water was a huge issue in the rubies water was a huge issue in utah for us and um, the llamas were ready for water and we knew we needed to get them to water. So we actually took the llamas to a stream in the back. So that deer had, you know, from the time I put an arrow in it to the time we got to it, it was realistically like two hours mm-hmm. packed up camp. You know, we wanted to give it an hour, but it was nice to get like that stuff also done on top of it. So brought the llamas in back to the, back to the deer <clears throat> I, and and Dustin knows me well enough to know, like I was super excited to shoot this deer. And so I don't want to, I don't want anybody to feel like I'm like demeaning this deer at all. Um, I grew up doing a ton of hunting in Iowa. Um, You know, I've had the opportunity to run around all over the West with Jason and Dustin. I've like, people refer to ground shrinkage and I had never really experienced it. I had never walked up on an animal and been like, oh, I thought it was way bigger. And this deer's body was, I bet, I bet it was 140 pound mule deer. Maybe it wasn't very big and we never saw it next to another deer. And so when you look at the face and even in the video, like I'll show guys the deer and show guys the video, like that deer on the hoof look legit 170 yeah. um, or well above 160. And it was probably, what you call it? You've you've held the rack for 140 inch mule deer. Oh no! It's, it's, I honestly it's Pope and Young. Yeah, it's definitely Pope and Young, which is 145. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but, but I I I definitely don't think it's in the I'm, 140s for sure. Um, yeah, I mean I I'm ecstatic to harvest this mule deer. Yeah. Um, and I would have shot that deer 
if I would have known how big it was. But Jason and I both kind of walked up. I'm psyched. First time I get to see it. There's like two hours of buildup. Like in my head, it, you know, I was thinking it was going to grow 20 inches. Mm. And, you know, it, it there was some ground shrinkage. I'm still psyched to harvest it. I'd shoot them 100 times over. Um, but, like, we just, you know, that body on those mule on that mule deer wasn't very big and it i don't <clears throat> well i'm sure it's not older than a three-year-old mule deer do you agree with that i i mean i would have had to have seen the actual you know the body of the deer i think sure. to really make a i i don't know i mean I, I think that deer at age five is like a true stud yeah um and it might have only been a two and a half year old mule deer. no no way I don't know, man. I, don't, I think I don't that think deer so. was ready to blow up. I don't know. I we need to get a biologist or something. I don't think mule deer. Uh, I I think it's rare. I I've seen I've seen deer that I knew were young that had four point racks like that, but they're they're really like adolescent. Like they're really sure. everything's just shrunk way down. Even though you can tell, like oh. You know, he's got the genes, you know, last year he was a, whatever, a two point, And this year he's like these little baby four points. This year was nothing close to that. Definitely. I mean, I would, sure. I would bet well, I my know. life savings that that was at least a three and a half year old deer at least. Okay. Yeah. Well, you remember Hubba's buck. Uh, didn't we get the muzzy buck he shot aged at like four and a half and we had pictures from the previous two years? I don't know. The one that he shot this last last year just barely no the like 225 buck oh uh um no i you know i don't know if he actually got that aged or if it was just like a like a taxidermist opinion or something regardless uh, this, I, this deer was a young buck who was ready to be i think i think this deer had potential to be 180 190 inch four by four in two years yeah personally. no that i mean Thick in the area yeah and i you know i think that you know i i harvested a younger deer my my nevada two point was at least two years older than this deer yeah so yeah, terrible genes yeah terrible genes it's polar opposite it was a mature mule deer with you know poor yep. genetics yeah um so we got it packed out it uh you know, the meat was fantastic. I ate the back straps, I think, that night or the next night. Um, got them all packed out. It was nice to, like, go on a hunt that we walked in, harvested, and walked out. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. Bear, it's bear just... in mind, that was eight, you know, eight seasons of opportunity, yeah. you know, harvested <laughs> on day one. Yeah. But I, uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I've actually, I've got it hung up in the crispy headquarters uh grandpa whitwer did a euro for me grandpa bambro bambro yeah i always say whitwer it's it's our yeah it's because it's our grandpa but yeah yeah it's just it's crazy how like if you're just looking at that one individual hunt or someone's looking at from the outside in they think like oh man you got whatever you know you've heard it all like you got lucky or like you know it, it just and and even you you feel like because i've had those those type of moments in hunts or whatever and you feel like geez man like i went from zero to hero in like five minutes there um yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying like that's exactly yep, how do. it feels but like really though like you said i mean how you know there's all there's so many hunts on the back end that you know we've eaten tags or couldn't find a good buck or blown stocks and blown this blown that you know couldn't couldn't get it done and it's you know, and so it it appears like it's you know, like impossible. Just, yeah, it appears like you just hit one shot and won the game. You know, but really there was just a whole. You know, there was three quarters before that of you just grinding out playing defense. Uh, you know, and until it finally paid off. And so, anyway, um, what what do you think? I'm just curious, like where you're at in because, you know, you and I hunt together, but we're, you know, you talked about Jason like. And, and even Jason, like, I feel like Jason's on another level of he just, you know, he's passed on deer that I'm like, dude, like, come, come on, man. Like, yeah. like, we're not those guys yet. You know, like, come on, man. Like, humble yourself a little bit here. That's a 173 deer. Like, go shoot that, you know, or whatever. And he's just like, nah, like, I've already chased deer. You know, I've, I've killed a deer like that yeah. or whatever. And so, 
and and I'm I feel like you know and it's easy to say this I guess but I feel like kind of like this year I'm kind of to the point where I'm like okay like you know I've killed enough of those 161 no well I haven't that's a lie I'm completely lying I have not killed <laughs> enough 170 type bucks but um anyway I'm just curious where you're at is like you've you got your feet wet for a couple of years you killed one meal and then you killed this one and I'm just curious like what is your how have your expectations changed or how are they going to change or like where are you at as far as how do you feel about like you know when you should move on to you know I don't know are you still like in that learning phase and you feel like you could tip over any two point still or are you like okay like you know I got like are like I got to kill one bigger than I just killed or like where are you at on that whole thing you know it's it's hunt specific for me but it I I mean that's easy to say but it's it's very hunt specific because I you know if we go back into Nevada uh, to the same unit we've been in the last five six years and the buck I shot in Utah walks in front of me I think I'd shoot that buck in Nevada it, 10 years out of 10 mm-hmm. for me personally I, th- I think i just keep i super enjoy that hunt for me our so, nevada hunt and that and that, that brings up a good point um and so uh because where i'm like where my mentality has been going like this application season is almost like okay well like i'm the same way because i'm, I'm the same way if i went into that nevada unit and a 162 deer uh, bedded up in a stockable spot, I would have to go kill it. Like, yep. you, you like why, are, why else are you in there? You know, why else yep. are you in there if you're not going to kill a 160, 170 buck? And so to take it one step further, um, I've kind of gotten to where, you know, and point in case, like I didn't, I didn't apply for that unit in Nevada. And, and yep. so it's like, well, okay, like I'm just going to not, like I can't apply for those units anymore if I'm looking for, you know, I don't know, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, I'm going to only kill, you know, book, you know, Boone, Boone and Crockett 185 or bigger or whatever. Cause I don't know, I'm probably not, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to like, okay, well, I'm just not even going to apply for those. Uh, because I, I think you're right. I think it is, it should be unit and hunt specific. Um, yeah. And I, you know, we, we talk about this a ton you know during the application season and it's one of those things we always say you can't shoot 200 inch deer where there's not 200 inch deer yeah and for me i a hunt like our nevada hunt i enjoy just that whole process and i like that hunt so much it feels like it's where i cut my teeth mule deer hunting it's what i it's got everything i want in a mule deer hunt besides 200 inch deer (laughs) um but i love everything else about it it's warm that and so like i enjoy that process so much that i you know i would keep going and hunting and shooting 150 160 inch deer on that unit i'm not bored of that yet but if i draw the same tag down in utah again i'm not gonna i'm probably not gonna shoot that same deer you know what i mean and so so, how do i ask this the proper way or the way that will get so my question or my my um you always like let me think how i'm gonna word this like i don't know i should just come out and say it i guess um you know there there's like a there there's a there's a disconnect with hunters um as far as like you know if you like we we mentioned the trophy word earlier and if you um, use that or, or be one of those guys, there's going to be guys who, um, look at that a certain way. Um, you know, those are usually the guys who, um, don't kill huge deer. (laughs) Just being flat out. And and if they do, it's just a one offer. It's just like a, Oh, Hey, like, you know, of course I'll kill a 210 inch deer if he steps out, but you know, the nine out of 10 other years that I've killed deer, they're whatever, you know, 160, 140, 130, 120, whatever. Um, and so my, my question is like, you know, is that, 
is that just a is it just a cop out for guys who aren't great hunters? That just being completely like transparent yeah, no, with the, is like you know I I look at that and you know I I I know that's not a hundred percent true for everyone. I know right. that there are guys out there who just legit get it done, and they just you know what I don't know Snyder Snyder I you know I've I've been listening to his podcast lately so he's just. Um, he's just the example that came to mind, but like, you know, that guy knows how to kill that being yeah. said, he's not a trophy hunter. That being, that no. being said, if he chose to be a trophy hunter and had that, um, self-discipline, he probably could be because he's that good. Um, right. but there's a lot that that's, he's the exception in my opinion. Yeah. I think that most guys, I think that most guys who you know, are, are doing that and have, you know, been hunting again, there, there's so many, so many variables here. Like if you're new to hunting, then, you know, you need to just get experience. I did it. I did it for 10 years or whatever, where it was like elk or deer or whatever. I'm just going to kill whatever I can kill to get that experience. But I, I'm talking about the seasoned hunter who gets to that point, um, you know, and looks, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm. I. I it's just something Mark, I think about. You know. Mark. Mark Smith's a perfect example. He. You know. He's one of the best hunters I know. I've seen him go on like three stocks, and he kills every time. And he's he's one of those guys. He like he just loves to fling arrows so much that you're never gonna see Mark walk past 160 bucks unless yeah. he's on like a premium premium unit. Like he. You know, and I, yeah, the, 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 the reasoning, I love with him. the reasoning that he would have to have to, to pass on those type of deer that he kills and hold out for a, whatever we're talking a 190, a 200 is not worth as like, it's not as important to him as just the experience of tipping over a deer and being on the hunt and having the adventure and, and, and you know, and beauties in the eye of the tag holder you know, I guess is the point of this to some degree, um, you know, but I don't, I don't know. Like I, he doesn't eat tags. He just like, yeah, no, that's more tags in a season than he will in 10 years. Yeah. That, you know, and, and that's my point is like, you know, he's, he's not gonna pass opportunity for, you know, quality or whatever. Um, I, you know, I think that, I don't know, man. This is just just a just a scrambled thought that I've had in my mind. Of I, I, I like to think that I'm a little bit like more like him than like your brother, in the sense that like I want to chase a mature animal, but you know that's it, hard enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I I want to shoot an adult animal. I don't want to go shoot a two year old deer. I want to go shoot a four year old deer or a five year old deer and. I, you know, whether that's a 140 inch buck or 190 inch buck, like, you know, those are both four year old deer. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at with it now, circling back to your original question, I think I will come to a point where, you know, I might bide my time a little bit in a state like Nevada where, you know, I might draw, I might draw the unit we're hunting every second or third year. And I might just wait two extra years and go try to hunt a unit that we might see 180, 190 inch yeah. deer more frequently. And so right now I'm, I'm trying to play the game of, and I haven't been, you know, I got into this game late applying for tags cause I lived in Iowa and had no clue how to do it, but I, I'm still building points in states where it's like, okay, now I'm going to have five points in Wyoming or, you know, whatever in Colorado and I'm going to be able to go take advantage of some of that. But I don't, I started the application game in 2012 and didn't start applying out of state until 14. Yeah. Not 13. So, yeah. And my, you know, you know, my, to, to wrap that up, I mean, my, my whole point with that was just a, I was just curious where you were at. Um, and, and it, and it, it basically to prove my point of like, you know, it, whatever is right to you, is all that matters. Yep. No, I completely and, and agree. It, I and just... it's, there's no, there's no right or wrong. Uh, there's no, uh, it, it just, it, it, it doesn't work that way. And, but, but as long as, as long as, you know, you're not 
looking, you know, and, and, and hopefully I didn't come across like either one of these guys um, because I, I didn't mean to. I was just kind of presenting the two sides or whatever. But as long as you're not on one side looking at the other side and saying, like, like I, you know, the comment that I yeah. made that wasn't, it wasn't coming from me. It was just like presenting, you know, the devil's advocate or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, oh, you know, you, you kill those deer because you're not as good of a hunter or whatever. And then on the flip side, um, you know, you, you hear guys that despise guys who only go after trophy deer or whatever. Like they're, you know, like there's some sort of, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, superficial, um, you know, Jason Carter comes to mind, the guy that's just like, he's just not going to tip over anything that's under, it doesn't seem like he'll tip anything over, you know, under 195 inches or whatever, you know, and, and there's plenty of guys who would look at that and say, man, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Well, no, he's in it for whatever reason he wants to be in it for. And, you know, point the finger at somebody, you got three coming back at you. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think we're all in this, like we enjoy it. So how do you enjoy it best? You know, and I, I, I tell people all the time, especially, you know, kind of non hunters that you're trying to baby into the idea and the, the trophy hunting thing comes up. It's more palatable for say an anti hunter or somebody who hasn't been exposed to hunting. Um, you know, the, the hunting for meat side is more palatable than uh, hunting for 200 inch deers, you know, the trophy hunting air quotes. And I tell people all the time, like, if you took the meat out of it, I would not do it. Really? If you took, oh yeah. I would no, totally I see, and, and that, that's that's my. This proves my point. It's it, like for well, you. I'm not done. I'm, okay, okay. For 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 me, if you took the meat out of it, I wouldn't do it. But if you took two hundred inch bucks and three hundred and fifty inch elk off the landscape, I wouldn't do it either. Like yeah. if it was just two point mule deer running around and they're all two years. Because then old. you might as well go shoot a cow at the butcher yard or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I. Yeah, and I, you know, but, like, I got to have both for me to enjoy it the way I want to. And I, yeah, I, you know, you take either away, and I'm just not going to enjoy it anymore. Yeah. Hmm. And, Interesting. Yeah. Then See, I, you, there was there, there a comment that was made on another podcast, and I, I won't rattle off who it was or who he was referring to, but there was someone in the industry or whatever we're calling it, the hunting world, um, that had verbalized – that he doesn't even like meat. He doesn't even like the deer meat. Really? And and this guy is like a straight up huge big buck killer. Like you would you'd be like, oh yeah, like that dude's one of the best mule deer hunters that's ever hunted. And you know, it was like he doesn't even like the meat. And he basically gives it away. And so for him, he's kind of painted that scenario in his head, it sounded like, of he literally is just doing it for the antlers. Sure. And you know what? Like, who cares? Live your best life, He's bro. not – here. And, and, and here's the caveat to that is he's not – it's not like he's leaving the deer on the mountain. Okay? Right. He's not leaving the meat. He's bringing the meat off, and he just gives it away. He donates it, gives it, someone else takes it. He doesn't even like it, doesn't want it, doesn't like, like to eat it or anything like that. And And the person that brought that up was like, pretty put off by that and i'm like who freaking cares at least he's being honest about it well yeah i I mean i'll be honest like i've given away like almost whole deers when my freezer is full like and i i truly enjoy like i've got i i ski i mountain bike i do a little bit of rock climbing like we're here in salt lake we have like this outdoor mecca and i've got friends that like grew up so far away from hunting it's not even funny and thanks to the Joe Rogan podcast, like eating deer meat's cool now. And yeah. so you have all these people that are like, ah, tofu Wild, and yeah. deer meat and, uh. you know, whatever. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoy bringing over meat or having friends over while I'm butchering and like being able to slice them off some backstrap or give them some ground or whatever. Somebody who really appreciates deer and like, doesn't feel like they have access to it because of the type of learning curve and like yeah. everything there is it's hard to get into hunting if yeah. you just want to go hunting tough and you even have friends that hunt like it's hard to even break into that circle and like giving that to somebody that like truly appreciate it's pretty fun and yeah. so i could i could i could see that like you're yeah, still because... getting satisfied somebody's enjoying that meat at least 
Well, and it's just like to, to, to wrap up the whole thing there is like what, what you said to me is like the keys, like at least he's being honest. Right. And so it's like the, the problem for me is when you get the guy who, um, you know, what, what are the famous, like, Oh, like, you know, this is why I do it. Like, and he's holding up the back strap and you're like, well, okay. Like how many bucks did you pass up before you tipped? Right before you tipped over that 173 four point on day eight, how many legal bucks that have the same meat on them as he does, basically, you know, yeah, you can say like, oh, bigger, more mature buck has more meat. Get real. Like, that's not what people are thinking in their head when they're like, yeah, I'm after the biggest, oldest deer on the mountain. It's not because he has more meat on him. Trust me. And, but the point is like, whatever it is, just own it. You know, it's like, like you said, for me, like the, the, the adventure, like the, the meat is a byproduct of the antlers and the antlers are a byproduct of the meat, I guess. But for me, if you took the meat out of it, like somewhere, again, I, I'm not inferring that I would just leave the meat on the mountain and let it rot. But if in some weird world, like deer didn't have meat on them and it was still an adventure that I could go on in the backcountry and overcome this, this challenge and like outsmart these deer or whatever, I'll still do it because it's freaking fun. Like, and I, like, I love big deer and it's harder to kill big ones than it is small ones and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, that being said, I mean, you know, I, I don't know, man. Anyway. I, I, I'll, I'll use an analogy that's easy to, to, you know, live with is the, you know, duck hunting for me. I absolutely love wing shooting, grew up doing a ton of pheasant hunting, literally no waterfowl, love to eat pheasants, love to eat quail, and duck is like, ah. Yeah, coyotes. You know? Coy- yeah. Coyotes is a, well, is a better example. It's like, yeah, no, you, don't liter- eat coyotes. you literally like, don't eat coyotes, and it's like, they're, they're the, some of the most fun ever to go out and hunt, and people do it all the time, and it's just like, they think, they like, they play the the uh oh predator control and noble well let's just call it what it is for just a little bit here like it's just fun yeah it's just fun to go out and smoke a coyote call in a coyote and yes is a byproduct um that you are helping the deer herds yep is a byproduct that your predator management yep like it's all of those things and that's for me that's like for me personally that's how the meat is with a mule deer hunt. It's like that's a byproduct of doing something that I love anyway, and I love the meat. Like, I usually don't give away the meat. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm that guy. Yeah, no, for sure. But it's like, you know, uh, uh, you still go out and hunt coyotes, and that just is fun. You know, and that that's how it would be if mule deer meat wasn't a thing. And so, I don't know, man. Like, it's just, it's okay. Wherever you're at, it's okay. Yeah. That's okay. It just isn't okay if you're just like, you know, looking at the other side and saying, well, you got to do what I'm doing, you know, because of this or that, or, you know, anyway, interesting. So I was just curious where you were at as far as like, you know, are you moving on to the next bigger and better, you know, cause there's a lot of different people out there and it's some guys you hear, like for me, for a long time growing up, it was like, well, I got to shoot one bigger than last year. I got to shoot, you know, it's like, well, the problem with that is eventually you're going to shoot one that's too big and you're just going to be like, oh, frick, like now what do I say? You know, now you got to come up with some other thing or whatever. (laughs) I I think more than um, more than like how big or mature the deer or elk are or whatever. um, I think that I am to, to be brutally honest, like our Nevada hunt, we've just like we've explored all that country right like we know it we know the ins and outs and like i love that country and for me the first year i was out there which would have been in 2013 would have been my second year out west like hiking in there that first time i was just so fascinated and now it's just like head down earphones in like it's almost it's work let's get up to the ridge you know and like i i need I need that like fascination again. And I, I still get it. Like I love waking up in the morning. I love sitting there. Like I still have a blast on that hunt. And I, I was out of the four of us that, you know, originally, well, I guess not originally, but like, I kind of feel like that's 
you meet Jason and Mark's hunt. Like I was the only one like raising my hand ready to apply for it this year. Yeah. But it is like, you know, there's not one more ridge line in there for me to go look over and, you know, and so I kind of, I kind of want that. I want to go to Alaska. Yeah. I want to, you know, I want to go like find that, find that again for me. But. Well, we're both relatively young in the, you know, in the whole scheme of things and we got years hopefully ahead of us and so it's just it's just fun to think about and you know from from year to year, from week to week almost like we just change as hunters all of us and it's okay. It's okay. You know, my my dad is to the point where he's like, "Man, I don't want to go on another hunt where I'm just killing another buck." You know, for him he yep. just he wants something bigger and that's okay. You know. And so just, yep. I just want everyone to remember you, uh, all that being said, you can't, you can't mount the meat. And so, <laughs> nope, nope, you can't, <laughs> if you, you want to eat the antlers, you can't eat you the can't, antlers. Yeah, you can't eat the antlers. I know that's, that's my thing. And so you can't mount the meat, um, is where I'm coming from there. So, um, <laughs> live yeah. your best life, bro. live your best life. Don't be afraid to look at the other side and. Man, Corey, thanks for coming on, man. This has been a good little catch-up, and, uh, you know, we're going to have many more. We at least got to tell your uh, little teaser here. We'll get a, a episode out covering the uh, the elk hunt that you went on with South Cox. And if for people who haven't seen that film or heard that story, uh, just absolutely, I mean, just to use the word epic is is no joke on this one. Like, it was absolutely epic story and i saw the footage and it's just incredible so yeah it was a it was a fantastic and i was excited to be part of it. and actually it got accepted into full draw yeah which is starting to tour here pretty soon so Perfect. well cool man appreciate you coming on and uh episode whatever the heck number we're on in the book so thanks for having me man yep yep